I'm so excited to be sharing here today as we launch this new series called You and Me, God's plan for our relationships. And who knows in life, there are many things that we all juggle. Uh, We've got our career, we've got our church life, but we've got our finances, we've got our physical health. But who knows, if you've been alive for more than 10 minutes, that relationships are a huge part of life, right? And we all will have relationships in our world. And there will be moments where our relationships are a great blessing and joy. And the reality is there'll be moments where maybe the greatest stressor in our life will be relationships. And what we really wanted to talk into as a church, because we're so passionate about hearing the Bible, that it actually not, it connects to our life where we are today and helps us you know, not just on a Sunday be a Christian, but on a Monday, Tuesday, and all the way through on a Sunday. And I am so excited that this series is going to be practical. We're going to be talking about friendships, marriage, dating, sex, uh, all kinds of relationships in our world. But here today, I'm going to be kicking off focusing on friendships. What does everyone say? Friend. Friend. Friendships. We all have friendships in life. And I want to really, I have one key verse from today. I'll explain it a bit more later, but it comes from Genesis chapter 2. And what that is, that's the first book of the Bible. It's the second chapter in the entire Bible. And it says this in verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. It is not good, not good for man to be alone. I want to ask us all a question here this morning. And it's something for you to answer in your own heart. But have you ever struggled by feeling lonely? And I don't want you to raise your hand necessarily, but I know that right here in this room, there'll be many people who have struggled, well, pretty much we all have struggled, or even right now who are struggling today with loneliness. If you do feel lonely today, can I encourage you, friend, you are not alone in that. I certainly have many times in my life struggled with feelings of loneliness. And it's quite a heartache and a pain when we feel lonely and separated from people. Do you know right now in Australia, this is an official statistic from the government, that over 5 million people in Australia right now are suffering and struggling with loneliness. Loneliness is experienced by more than one quarter of Australians, and all Australians in the 90th percentile will experience loneliness in their life. 37% of young people right now are lonely. Loneliness is a silent killer. It's amazing. Uh, There's been research into it that lonely people have a 26 increased risk of death. It's amazing. That impact of loneliness is the equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day or six alcoholic drinks per day. So right now in Australia and in fact across the world, there is a new epidemic, and the ep- epidemic isn't drugs, the epidemic isn't alcohol, the epidemic isn't uh, whatever, it is loneliness. It is loneliness. We live in a world where we're meant to be more connected than ever before because of technology and Instagram and Facebook, but the reality is this, that we live in a world that people are feeling lonelier than they ever have in all of human history. And we can all find this in our own world. We can struggle with loneliness, and it, and it, it can be destroying our, slot, our souls. And so my question again is right now, friend, 
Do you feel lonely? And if you do, you're not alone. And I have some good news here this morning from the Bible uh, that's going to help us. And I want to talk about this. That The first problem in the world was not sin, but solitude. It wasn't sin, it was solitude. So I just mentioned that verse earlier, and we're talking about uh, Genesis 1 and 2. And we're looking here when God created the world. And so we read that he created the earth, he created the waters, he created um, you know, the, the animals, he created humanity. And all throughout that, Jesus and God, he would say, it is good. He would look at what he created. He said, I've created animals that it is good. I've created humans, Adam. And he blessed them and he said, it is good. But then we get to the first point where something was not good. And that was the verse I just said. He said, then the Lord God said in Genesis 2.18, it is not good for the man to be alone. And I want you to think about this for a moment. We're referring here to a man named Adam. Now, when Adam, when we're reading this, there is no sin in the earth. Sin has not entered. And Adam literally, the Bible says he had such a close relationship with God that he would walk face to face with the Lord in the cool of the evening. There was nothing separating him from God. In fact, out of all humans who will ever live on this earth besides Jesus Christ, he had the most intimate relationship with God. There was no struggles for Adam. He didn't have financial pressures. He didn't have a boss that was annoying. He didn't have a kid who was nagging for food all the time. I don't know. Anyway, but Adam had no challenges, yet he's, here he is in a perfect world with a perfect relationship with God, but God said it is not good because he is alone. The first problem God pointed out was solitude. It was loneliness. Adam was not yet complete. He needed community. He needed friendship. He needed a helper. And Adam was created for relationship with both God, which he had. But we read here that the design of God is not just a relationship with him, but with other human beings, with people. And I want to tell you here today, and for myself here today, we were created to be in relationship with God and in relationship with people. It is not good for us to be alone. And the truth is this, that we need other people. This doesn't say if you're an extrovert, you need other people. If you're an introvert, you need other people. If you're busy right now, you need other people. If you're in a season of craziness, raising young kids, you need other people. If you're retired or maybe your partner's passed away and you're in a different, you need other people. If you're married, you need other people. If you're single, you need other people. God said it is not good for any human to feel alone. We were created for relationships. And just, I find this so interesting, and this so often is the case that modern science or technology catches up with what the Bible has said all along. And in 1930, a famous university, I'm sure most of you had heard of, called Harvard, started in 1938 what is now the longest, uh, uh, what is it called, the longest uh, study ever on happiness. They tried to tackle this very challenging question, what makes us happy? And so they started with about 750 participants in 1938. And it is amazing because now we're about 80 to 90 years on. And what happened is they followed these participants throughout their entire life. 
Every two years, they would ask them questions. Uh, they had a questionnaire they had to fill out every two years through their 20s, through their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, their 60s, their 70s, their 80s, their 90s. Some are in their hundreds. Many are still alive today. And there was such a common theme that correlated what I'm about to talk about and their happiness. And you know, very contrary to what Hollywood would like to tell us, to what culture tries to tell us, can I tell you, money wasn't a factor in making people happy. Career was not a factor that made people happy. Of course, it helped, but it wasn't strong correlation. Achievement, exercise, healthy diet, they all helped. But it wasn't even close to this huge common theme. And I'll read it from a book uh, studying this. It said, positive relationships keep us happier, healthier, and help us live longer. One thing continuously demonstrated, it's broad and enduring importance, good relationships. Isn't that incredible that our happiness, our sense of purpose and meaning in life, it's not found in external things. It's found in the relationships that God blesses us with. It is not good for us to be alone. And my key thought for us here today is the true measure of wealth in our life is not found in our bank account, but in the quality of our relationships. That is our true wealth in life. And I want to look at today this modern problem of loneliness. I want to talk about how do we tackle this thing called loneliness and how does the Bible teach us to build healthy and flourishing friendships? Give me a wave. Who would like to look at that here this morning, get into the Word of God, learn something here together? All right, well, let's lean forward. I have five key thoughts of wisdom around friendships. The first one is this, and it is to pray. Everyone say pray. pray. Let's look at Matthew 7, verse 7 to 8 here this morning. I love this verse so much. This is Jesus speaking uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, and he says this, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks the door will be opened. Another part of the Bible says you have not because you ask not. And I have discovered in my life, this one hurts a little bit, but we're not actually, we shouldn't complain about what we're not willing to pray about. I'll say that again because it's just like, it's convicting me, I love this. We should never complain what we're not willing to pray about. And I want to encourage you here today, if you are struggling a bit with loneliness, if you are struggling to make great friendships, the best starting spot is to pray and to ask God for great friendships. Ask God to bring the right people into your world. And can I tell you, friend, it will blow your mind how you could, we might be struggling with loneliness for years and then we pray and then within six months, it's like we had a, a complete turnaround in our friendships and the only difference was we were willing to pray for it. I remember a season of my life before Ebony and I got married, uh, I was about, uh, I would have been about 20 years old, 19 years old. Uh, I had some friends in church, but how I would word it is I had many acquaintances. I, I had a lot of Facebook friends. I knew a lot of people. But on the inside, I was a youth pastor. I had a wonderful girlfriend. I had a great family. But if I was honest, there was a, there was a deep loneliness on the inside of me. 
I didn't have those, those brothers who I could share and do life with. I didn't have a brother I felt I could call when I'm feeling tempted or where I'm struggling or when I made a mistake or I need someone to pray for me. And, you know, I, I struggled with loneliness for quite a long time as a pastor in ministry. Uh, just to share, we all struggle with it. But, you know, I remember now I look back and the first step was finally, instead of complaining about it, and I did it all the time. I'm like, God, I'm so lonely. God, I just, this sucks. Like, why don't I have any friends? And it looks like they have all these friends that I don't get invited to that party and this friend. And I was complaining, complaining, complaining. But finally, the lights went and I shifted and I said, Lord, I'm going to just shut my mouth, <laughs> stop complaining. I'm going to be harsh on myself, and I'm going to pray. And I say, God, I feel lonely. It was a simple prayer. Can you please send two or three people who I love doing life with to be brothers and friends? And I'll come back to what happened a bit later. A second thought around this is once you have friends, don't stop praying. Start praying for them. Do you know, it is so powerful when we pray for our friends, when we pray for the relationships in our life, when you, husbands, when you pray for your wives, wives, when you pray for your husbands, parents, when you pray for your children, friends, when you pray for your friends, and tell them that you're praying for them. This is such a key in relationships. And there's this amazing principle I have found. You get a heart for what you pray for. And as you pray for the friends in your world, you will get God's heart for them. It will strengthen your, your friendship. And I just wanted to encourage us, how can we apply this? Well, right here, if you are struggling with friendships, you're feeling a bit lonely, maybe a great next step out of today is just to ask God. And we can have a moment at the end, God, I pray for friends. And you might pray for that in your uh, daily quiet time. Or secondly, if you're blessed in a season where you're not struggling with loneliness, Pray for your friends. Tell them you're praying for them. It's such a great way to build friendships that last a lifetime. Amen? Amen. Point number two, I'm blasting through five key thoughts. Family is given, friends are chosen. Family is given. So you and I don't have control over who our family is. Sometimes, you know, I, I won't mention anything because this is on podcast, um, but you might go, oh, I wish that X, Y, Z was, and I, but that is simply outside of our control. God chose who our mum and our dad and our mother-in-law and our father-in-law and our brother and sister, like, that is outside of our control. That's a given. But do you know what? Our friendships, that is within our control. We get to choose our friendships. And can I share one of the most powerful revelations I've had, and any young person I can speak to, I tell this to, but it's, it's important for all of us. It's one of my favorite quotes. Show me your closest friends, and I will show you your future. I want to say that again, and I'll unpack it in the Bible. Show me your closest friends, and I will show you your future. We are the sum total of our five closest friends. And I really believe, and I, and I share this with new Christians, I share this with young adults and teenagers, I share it with everyone, that one of the most important decisions we make in our life is who we choose to be our closest friends. I reckon, obviously, who you choose to marry, a big decision. We're talking about that next week. But I want to talk about one of the most important decisions that will influence your life and your future is who your friendships are. And that is actually completely within our decision-making and our control. And I want to look at Proverbs 22, verse 24 to 25. Proverbs is the book of wisdom. This is King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. And he said, do not befriend angry people. 
Hopefully that wasn't a spouse saying that. Uh, someone amen that hard. Or associate with hot-tempered people. Now, I'm not looking at this at the, through the lens of anger, but it's an example. Read on. Or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. So the wisest man who ever lived said, hey, don't become friends with someone who is X because you will learn to become like them. And I know this is a bit challenging, but I found it so true in my life. If I, if I become friends with someone who swears, even though I might not want to, when I hang around them, I'm most likely going to start swearing. If I start hanging out with someone who bags out his wife, I will most likely, even though I don't want to, start bagging out my wife. Why? Because who we surround ourselves with, we become like them. Now, this is good and bad. It is positive and negative, but it's such a powerful principle. And for me, uh, if you don't know my story, I grew up in church. I walked away from God through my teenage years, uh, which is the biggest regret of my life, but I did it. And at the age of 17, um, I just finished school and I came back to God. And I had a life-transforming encounter where I gave my life to Him. And if you haven't done that, friend, I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of this service. But you know the first thing God asked me to do? I had a life-changing encounter. I, I got planted in this church on the Sunshine Coast. I started going to church every Sunday. But you know, I, I think the first thing God asked me to do was to go to church every Sunday. But do you know the second thing as I reflect of what God asked me to do was I needed to change my friendship circle. So for me at the time, all of my friends, all we would do is we would drink ourselves to oblivion, we would do stupid things, and we would play footy. And that was my friends. And so for me, when I got saved, I no longer wanted to drink like that. I no longer wanted to be in those awful environments of parties and clubbing. And so I had to make a decision in this moment. Even though my heart was, I don't want to do that, I felt God ask me for a season, Daniel, I, I want you to not hang out with those people anymore. And it was one of the hardest things I had to do. Imagine this at 17. I have no other friends right now except my mum. Oh, she was my friend. But besides my mum and my dad and my brother who had to be my friend, I had no one. And I literally had to tell my friends. They'd invite me, hey, come around. We're having some beers. We're playing Call of Duty. Sorry, man, I can't come. I'm busy. Go to bed. Hey, hey, come and hang out, man. We're playing some footy on the beach. And then I know where that, I can't come. And I actually had to tell them, I'm so sorry, guys. I love each of you. And there'll come a time where I can be in that environment again. But right now, if you want to hang out with me, let's go for a surf at 6 a.m. We'll have a coffee. But besides that, I just can't put myself in that environment. And you know, that was one of the wisest decisions I made, and it wasn't because I'm smart, it's because God told me to. And unfortunately, I did lose a lot of those friendships. Um, but as I look back on my life, you know, they were heading in another direction anyway. But that set me up for success because then I got around the right people. Let's read this, Proverbs 13, 20, the same book of wisdom. It just simply says this, another principle, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. So this is the powerful thing. So the negative thing is if we're hanging out with the wrong crowd who are heading in the wrong direction, that we will get influenced that way. But the good news is this, just like a rip in the ocean, if we hang out with the right people who are heading in the same direction, we get just as influenced in the positive way. And so this is why I am so passionate about the house of God. 
Because I have seen in my life and now thousands of others as a pastor, when people get planted in the house of God, when they say every Sunday I'm going to be in church like I've seen Joe and Catherine do, when I see people go, I'm going to get into a connect group, even though it's a bit scary, but I want to make friends. And I've seen people uh, like so many, like uh, uh, Tony and uh, Bretland have done. And, And what happens is when we get planted in the house of God, we start to get surrounded with other people who love Jesus. All imperfect, but we're heading towards the same direction. And I want to encourage you, if you, uh, you can choose your future by choosing your closest friends. Now, does this mean we don't hang out with anyone who's not a Christian? No. I'm talking here about who our five closest friends are. Who do you call when you need advice? Who, who do you cry with when your heart gets broken? But of course, we're called to be in the world, not of it. But we need to still have unchristian friends, of course, but be very wise who our closest friends are. What can we do about this if this is speaking to you? Let's evaluate our current friendships and go, are they the kind of people I want to become? Are they heading in the direction I want my life to? And secondly, as you look for new friendships, find people who are godly, who love Jesus, who are great husbands and wives, who are great parents and are heading in a similar direction to the way you want your life to. And as I've said from Proverbs, this is a kingdom principle that will help us in our friendships. Amen? Amen. Take time, number three. Are you ready for this? Hope you're enjoying this. This is take initiative. Everyone say initiative. Oh, I love this point. Give me a wave. Who here does not like making decisions? It's like the majority of the population. Okay, a lot of you are lying. That's okay. Who loves making decisions? Like, yep, you're the let's make decisions, initiate. Yep, who has that one friend who like just is always, let's do this, let's do that. I'm here, come hang out. Like, they're blessings. But the majority of us, we, we struggle to take initiative. Yeah. And we're sitting at home waiting for someone to invite us out. But we don't get invited. And, and the person you want to hang out with is sitting at home waiting for someone to invite them out, and they don't get invited. So guys, I'm going to share such a great thought, and particularly if you're here feeling lonely and want to make great godly friendships, let your ears open. All right, Proverbs 18.24 in the New King James Version. I love how simple the Bible can be. Are you ready for this? This is like so simple, you're going to think I'm, I'm, I'm dumb. But all right, a man who has friends, a man is a man, woman, a human, who has friends must himself be friendly. All right, all right. You're like, man, you should be paying me for this. All right. Like, you should go to uni. Get a, like, come on, this is, if you want to have friends, the Bible is teaching us, we need to be friendly. It starts with us. If we are friendly, we will make friends. It's not rocket science. If we are unfriendly, we might struggle to make friends. I believe this is powerful advice for all of us, and I'm speaking to myself. But we first need to be friendly. We first need to take initiative. We can pray for it, point one, but we shouldn't wait for it. And so often in life, when it comes to anything, we often will pray God, can you do this? And then we just go and sit and have a coffee and wait for the Lord to come with a silver platter from angels and just place it at our feet and say, thank you, Jesus. But often how it works is we pray, but we also need to take steps. The Bible says faith without action is dead. We need faith 
and we need action, and we need both. And so I want to encourage us, we should be people who take action. So what does this look like in my life, in your life, in the busyness of the world we live in? What, what can this look like? Here's some random thoughts. Well, rather than waiting to be invited out for a coffee, why don't you invite someone out for a coffee? Rather than waiting to be invited to a dinner with some friends, why don't you host a dinner party, invite three couples or three friends from church, open up your home? Rather than waiting to be invited to go for a bike ride, why don't you, like Warren, initiate an event and invite everyone in church to uh, go mountain biking, uh, and if, if that's your thing? Rather than waiting to make friends in church and just coming on a Sunday, crossing, you know, we've all been there, sitting there, cross our arms, racing out, why don't you go to a connect group, even though it's scary, but you're taking that step, I'm trying to make friends. I want to encourage us. If we are first friendly, the Bible says we will make friends. Do they all work out? The answer is absolutely not. We've all had coffee with someone and and we just didn't gel, but that's completely okay. It's the same with dating. Did you marry the first person you dated? Some of you probably did, but most of us probably didn't. Uh, And we've got to go, all right, so what can hold us back and what can hold me back is the fear of rejection. But we've got to be people who can overcome that. And so I'm going to be bold here. I'm going to take a little bit of a risky step, but, but I want to encourage us. We won't become best friends with everyone we initiate with, but we'll struggle to find best friends if we don't initiate at all. So take that step, friend. Go to that connect group. Invite that person out for coffee. Host a dinner party. And as you are friendly, the Bible says we will be friends, make friends. I remember in this, all right, so you heard my story, Feeling Lonely. I'm moping around, I'm complaining, I'm sad, and I'm hanging out with my mom, I'm coming to church sitting with my dad, and uh, Ebony's ignoring me, and uh, I tried to be Ed's friend, but she was too cool for me, and, and I'm in this zone, and I, I want to take up this first photo of something I did. So I'm, I'm in this season, if you can go, oh, uh, the Instagram photo, Dan, I missed the first one. Um, so I'm at a conference as a youth pastor, and I, I, I'd heard of these two people named Will and Liv Green. Now, I didn't know them at all. I was feeling lonely. They looked really cool. They were youth pastors too. And so what did I do? I, I'd been praying, step one. But step three, I reached out to them and I did a cold call and I said, hey, I'm going to be in Sydney for this conference that you're going to. Can Ebony and I please take you out for dinner and we'll shout you? And so this is a selfie. Now, who does that on your first friendship date? Can we get a selfie and put it on Instagram? But anyway, I did it. Always love getting to hang with Will and Liv. All right, just don't read that, please. But um, I took a step. And do you know what? On that first one, like I probably hung out with a few different people in that season of life, but something happened at this dinner where our souls just gelled. We became such great friends pretty quickly. And I want you to go to the next photo. This was me uh, six years later. I just flew down um, on a weekend to be at Will's uh, 30th birthday. Uh, And I was one of his two mates who flew into state. I got to hold his second baby uh, and and stay at their house. And can I tell you, they've become two of the richest friends in Ebony and I's life. But I wonder if I hadn't taken that initiative and asked them out for lunch. If I had just been sitting in the hotel room going, 
going through Instagram, and all, the, all these pastors are hanging out, and people are having fun, but I'm just waiting and moping for someone to invite me, because they never invited me. But do you know what? I took initiative here. And can I tell you, on the other side of that, I met one of my greatest brothers. And over the last decade of my life, I, he's been the person I, uh, he's gone now, the person I called in lockdown when I was having a meltdown. He was the one I've been reaching out to as a brother when I've, I'm struggling and, and vice versa. And it's the richest friendship. And it all began with a moment of initiative. So this coming week, if this is for you, what's a step you can take? This is all great in concept, but can I encourage us? We all need a next step out of today. And for some of us, as I said, that'll invite a friend for a coffee. Have someone over your house for dinner. Be bold, and you'll never know who you'll meet on the other side of that. Amen? Amen. Number four, and this is great for all relationships. I want to talk in the terms of friendships. Focus on what you can give, not what you can take. You know, I believe every relationship in our life is built on this premise. This is true of marriage, of leadership, of dating, of friendship with our employer, with our employees. The more we focus on what we can give to that person, the greater that relationship will be. The more we focus on what we can take from that relationship, the worse the quality of our relationship will be. And as I said, this is true in every relationship. We need to be people who add value, who give. And sometimes this looks like in some friendships, we're not receiving anything from them. And on the inside, we secretly want to go, oh, well, flip you then. I don't want to. But we've got to be people who go, know what? This relationship for me, I'm not focusing on what I can get out of it. I'm focusing on what I can give to this wonderful person. The Bible says, once again, it's the book of wisdom, Proverbs 19.6. Many seek favors from a ruler. Everyone is the friend of a person who gives gifts. Everyone is the friend of a person who gives gifts. Be a giver. And I don't think this verse is just talking about physical gifts, even though that's a great thing. If you want to buy, uh, you know, ebony flowers, she'll feel very loved. If you want to buy, uh, I don't know, somebody a PlayStation, they'll feel very loved. <laughs> Um, or just a coffee works, whatever, you know, whatever your financial situation. But I'm talking a deeper level of giving. I'm talking about being a giver that adds value to people's worlds. This looks like sending encouraging texts. Oh, man. Like, this is probably one of the easiest things we can do. Like, sending an encouraging text. How long does that take? Probably 60 seconds maximum. Um, maybe five minutes if you're not great with words. Uh, that was, it's, that, some of us are like that. But can I tell you, on the other side, what that gives to a person's soul in a world that is filled with discouragement, in a world that is filled with negativity, if you can be a friend who says, I just want you to know, you're a great man of God. You're a great husband. I look up to you, and I notice that on Sunday, uh, you, you were blah, 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 and you just encourage them and lift them up. Man, that can engage someone's soul. It bonds us. It's like remembering people's birthdays. Not just because Facebook told you so, but because you're organized. Uh, it looks like listening to people without interrupting. Woo! I'm not looking at you, girl. I just, you're in my eyesight. But this is a lost art. Have you ever tried to talk to someone who just 
just won't shut up, or uh, I'm trying to be polite, or who just won't let you talk, or always has to one-up you. You're telling something amazing. You do, oh, yeah, yeah, but, but I am. Uh. It's like, come on, like we've got to be people who learn how to be active listeners. The Lord gave us two ears, as your mum always told you, and one mouth for a reason. We should talk a third of the time and listen two-thirds. And this is such a key that if people feel heard, man, that bonds our souls in friendship. It looks like shouting people a coffee or a meal. Be generous. Be that friend who always pays if, you, if you're able or who goes out of their way to be generous. You don't need a lot of money to do this, but a $4 coffee once a month, that is investing. That's being a giver. Uh, asking what you can pray for them and following it up. So I'm having coffee um, with Hayden at the back, and I'm saying, hey, Hayden, just as an example, mate, what can I be praying for you? And he shares something that's important, and I put it in my phone. I then, in the week, I, I pray for him, and I text him, hey, Hayden, just letting you know, mate, I'm praying for this situation. I'm standing with you. And then I see him at church on Sunday, and I say, hey, Hayden, last week you said this was a pain. How's it going, brother? Those moments are powerful. Uh, just two other quick practical thoughts. Passing on great resources that have inspired you. It's just little things. You read a book that, that changes your life. Tell your friends. Uh, you, you watch a movie that made you laugh and it's not rude. Tell your friends. If it's rude, don't tell your friends. Um, be positive, fun, and upbeat. Be a positive person. Don't be a negative, complaining Eeyore. Be a tigger who's full of, like, we're not extroverted, but just positive about life. And people will be attracted to you. People hear our words but feel our attitude, and we can be positive people. This is known as the golden rule that Jesus taught, and I think this would solve a lot of problems in our world. Jesus simply said this in, in the Sermon on the Mount, do to others as you would wish people do to you. Be friendly and make friends. If you're wanting someone to encourage you, be an encourager. If you're wanting someone to invite you out for social things, do that for others. And the Bible says this, that when we sow, we will reap. It is amazing. If you give and, and add value, you'll be surrounded by people who do the same thing back to you. But unfortunately, it works on the other way too. If we're a taker, we will often get surrounded with takers, and that becomes toxic. So how can we apply this to our life? Well, in our friendships, how can you and I add value to people and be a blessing, focusing on what we can give, not on what we can take? And my last thought here today, I hope you're enjoying this. Who's getting something out of this today? Super practical. My teacher's coming out. Mr. Fricker is in the building. I'm a teacher if you didn't know that. Uh, number five as I finish, be vulnerable. Oh, I just said the V word. All the men in it was like, oh, pardon? And some people like, yeah. Most people do not like vulnerability. That's okay. If you don't like it, you're normal. Uh, if you do like it, please teach us how to. Uh, I wrote down this thought. We're talking about close friends. The difference between an acquaintance and a friend is the level of vulnerability. So true friendship Biblical friendship, what we're talking about here that is going to attack loneliness head on in our soul is, is actually the sharing of our soul with another person. It's, it's a depth of relationship. Now, this takes time and we use wisdom, but when we have the right people who we've built trust and relationship with, 
Vulnerability is so important because great friends become a safe place where we can share our struggles, our sin, and our mistakes. For me, I get this picture, I, and you know, that friend will. I remember I was in a really tough season in the last five years of my life, probably one of the toughest I've ever been in. And just to share the kind of friends that, that happen as we pray and do some of these things, I remember I was about four hours out of his way. And I just rang him, and I was just crying. And I said, I'm, I'm just in such a bad place. And do you know what he did? He had a full day of work planned, filled with meetings. He was a dad, a young dad. And, and do you know what? He canceled everything. He hopped in his car, and he drove four hours to where I was and spent the whole day with me. And, you know, yeah, this is so, like, it sounds so bromantic. It's so bromantic. <laughs> but this is what real friendship is. Why he was able to do that was I first got real with him. And I call it, I, we're taking the mask off. See, when you and I come to church, we have the mask on. And that's normal when we're in a large crowd. How are you going? I'm great. I'm doing good. How's your marriage? It's fantastic. How are you going with, you know, being tempted by pornography? Oh, it's all good. Like, we all have the mask on, and that's good because that's safe. But we need some godly friends in our life besides our spouse if you're married and besides your spiritual leader, they're friends who you can go, I just got to get real. I take the mask off. This is how I'm really going. This is, you know, for me, it's quite like this are, these are my weak areas. This is where I've been tempted, even to the point of, hey, this is where I have made mistakes. We are designed that this is so important to be able to have this with great trusted friends. As I said, use wisdom. But James 5.16 says this as I close. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The Bible teaches when we make mistakes, this is an example of vulnerability. When we sin, it says confess to God and we will be forgiven. But do you know it doesn't actually say in the Bible, confess your sins to God and you will be healed. It says we'll be forgiven. But often when there's sin in our life or we make mistakes or we have a weakness, whatever it is which we all have, we can be forgiven by God but still bound by guilt and shame. We can still be so tempted we keep going around the mountain back to the same sin. And you know, often the breakthrough moment comes when I haven't just confessed it to God, but I have a friend. You know, the cross was always vertical and horizontal. We need both. As we said with Adam, he needed relationship with God, but it, it was still not good. He needed also a friend, a helper. And when you and I take the mask off to those our close friends, the Bible teaches we will find healing. And do you know that day for me was a healing experience as I shared what I hadn't shared with others about what was really going on in my soul, how I'd been struggling, and I went away healed. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Right. A true friend loves you in every season of life. They stick with you through thick and thin. We need to be that to others, and we need people like that in our world. They love you for the real you. They love you in the good, the bad, and the ugly. That is biblical friendship. And that is the example of Jesus' friendship with us. Jesus doesn't love us when we're going well and good, but then when, we're, when we make a mistake, push us away. His friendship is continual and everlasting. And it is to be the same with us as we love one another, so that we love each other uh, through it all.
So how can we apply this in our life? We need to be brave enough to be real with people, with the right people, to be able to go, all right, I have at least one close Christian friend. I can take the mask off and go, this is what's going on in my world. And I can't tell you how much this will help your world and help my world as we find healing. As I conclude today, we've learned that it's not good for us to be alone. If you're struggling with feelings of loneliness in this room, you're not alone in that. God is with you in that. Many around you are in that with you. But there is a way out of loneliness as we follow wisdom from the Bible. The true measure of wealth in our life is not in our bank account. It's in the quality of relationships in our world. I shared five thoughts, and i just love us all to close our eyes right now. We just do that to have a moment between us and the Lord. You know, when we come to church and hear messages like this, it's all well and good to hear and to be inspired. But the power of the Word of God is when it is applied in our life. And my question is I want you to reflect of what's one next step for you out of today. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Number one, is it around prayer? Do you just need to begin praying for friendships, praying for for brothers and sisters to come your way, or to begin praying for the friends God's given you? Right now, just with every eye closed, this is just simply between you and God. If that's you, can you just raise your hand and say, Dan, that's my next step out of today. It's around prayer. Wonderful. I see many hands. That's great. In place of that. Number two, we talked about choosing, being wise about who our closest friends are. If that spoke to you here today and, and either around evaluating your current friendship circle or trying to lean into great godly people, if that's you, can you just raise your hand and say, Dan, that's my next step today? Wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Number three, my favorite of the day, initiative. If you need to be someone who felt a bit convicted of, oh, I need to be friendly to make friends, and I need to start taking initiative. I need to, 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 to not be so f- afraid of rejection, but take steps. If that's you today, can you just raise your hand just so I can see that? Thank you for being real. That's wonderful. Number four, around giving. If maybe you've been a bit complacent in your friendships and relationships and you've been focusing on what you can get rather than what you can give and the Holy Spirit spoke to you today, if that's you, just raise your hand and say, Dan, my next step is to to shift more into what I can give. Thank you. And lastly, the V word. If that spoke to you today about being vulnerable, and I believe, and this is for everyone, but I believe particularly this spoke to a few men today that maybe there is a bit of a secret going on on the inside of your heart. I'm not saying that it's sin, but there's something you're either struggling with or wrestling on the inside, and maybe even been able to tell your wife, but you need a brother or a friend or a leader that you can just be real with. But if that's anyone here today, if you want to grow in your vulnerability, can you just raise your hand to God and say, that's me? Wonderful. So good. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just lastly, as I land today, I want to pray for people who feel lonely. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or respond. But if that's you, if you're struggling with loneliness, just right now in your own heart, you'll know this is for you. I just want you to picture Jesus in front of you as I pray. But Lord, I ask for anybody who you're speaking to, who's feeling lonely, Lord, who's feeling like they're struggling to connect, who feel isolated, 
over those who feel alone. Father, I'm asking in the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, even right now, that, Lord, your love and your peace would just overwhelm them in their seat. Lord, that they'll know firstly that they are never alone, that you are always with them, catching every tear. In every season and moment of life, you are right beside them. But secondly, I pray you would open their eyes to see a church family who love them deeply, that they belong in this place. They're not here by accident, but God, they belong in the family of the house of God, that their life is valuable. Lord, that they are valuable. Lord, that they are wonderful. They are beautiful. They are not rejected, but accepted by you and by others. Father, I pray, let hope arise in their heart. And I ask for each of them that, Lord, I pray for them. You would surround them with great friendships in the name of Jesus, that you would bring people into their life. Lord, you would bring relationships into their world in the name of Jesus. And right now with eyes closed, I know this is heavy, but I feel there's someone here who's almost lonely to the point of you've struggled with suicidal thoughts over the last two years. To three years. I don't know who you are. I don't want you to respond, but I pray for you right now. Lord, I break every demonic spirit of heaviness and depression off their life. I prophesy the word of God that they are known by you, that you love them, that others love them, that they are valuable. God, they are valuable. And I pray that your love would overwhelm them today and that demonic lie would break off them. I take authority over it. In Jesus' name, I speak hope into that situation. Friend, if that's you, God promises all things will work together for good for those who love him and accord according to his purpose. In Jesus' name.